0: I'm Sheldon Brown. This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Well, if you were listening to The Bike Show a few weeks ago, you would have heard Andy Cox, guitarist and sometime bicycle musician, choosing a few uh, of his fragments of bicycle music and commenting on some of the bicycle music that I dug up around the world and we talked a little bit at the end about Gottfried Willem Reyes' second symphony for singing bicycles and Andy offered to develop a prototype and good to his word he has done this and we are standing with the prototype of a singing bicycle in front of us Andy, you've done a brilliant job. Talk us through.
1: Well, we have a length of 4-inch uh, drainage tube, um, a small speaker and a piece of wire connecting the speaker to the dynamo uh, in, uh, in the usual way.
0: So it's a regular drain. It's about 2 metres long uh, or a metre and a half
1: long? Actually, I can tell you that this is uh, 115 centimetres long. <laughs> Um,
0: That's very specific. Yeah, they,
1: they call for very specific lengths in the. Um, uh, there's the composer calls for you know, certain lengths, and this is one of them, but by no means the longest.
0: So the idea that, is that there will be 12 or more of these sonically equipped singing bicycles to make the symphony.
1: Yeah, apparently this is what happens riding in a straight line with the last uh, cyclist continually overtaking.
0: Right, and how does it sound?
1: Um, um, a bit like a siren, a cross between a siren and a trombone.
0: And what's it like to ride?
1: Uh, a bit uncomfortable.
0: Because of the great length of tube and so getting your, getting your leg down to sort of pedal might be a bit difficult.
1: Yeah, it's sort of straddling, uh, straddling the tube is the problem. I'm sure cowboys would be okay but uh, for the normal cyclist it's just a little bit...
0: What about, could you be r- riding side saddle? Yeah, that would work. If you were the queen.
1: If you were the queen, but I can't imagine how could you possibly pedal. You'd have to have a stick in your other hand. How could that work?
0: Maybe might be even more eccentric than rigging up a dynamo with a loudspeaker and a yes. length of drain tubing. Okay, well, let's give it a ride. I'll follow you and, uh, and, and try and record what uh, fragments of sound that I can. Okay. You're going to click on the dynamo.
1: I'll just have to hook up the cable here.
0: Okay, so Andy is now connecting couple of crocodile clips from the cable which goes to the speaker to the dynamo the dynamo is engaged and um, off we go well I don't know should we go somewhere uh, initially with not too much traffic
1: Okay. Okay.
0: A bit of pitch variation, or is it...?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess I think that some of this pitch variation could be to do with the fact that my back wheel is not the straightest that it uh, could be. So, yeah, it will vary a lot depending on the speed.
0: And it's quite a nice effect when you go through a narrow street to get a bit of reverberation there.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think the narrow streets really help it, that's for sure.
0: How much would the lengths of tubing vary according to the specification
1: It's between about 1.8 metres and about 80 centimetres um, going in steps of between 3 and 5 centimetres. Right,
0: And you've got the sound essentially pointing backwards. Yes. Was that a strategic choice or was that something that was specified in the uh, instructions? Uh, That was
1: not specified. I imagine you could have it pointing forwards just as easily.
0: And could you have it mounted entirely on the back so it would come out? It would come out quite a long way, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, you you could. I think you might have some problems, especially with the one point uh, eight meters, uh, keeping it stable.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, should we have a should we have a, an attempt at Waterloo Bridge? Yeah, let's do that. I'll catch Up with Andy, who's just stormed off through a red light. In true Alfred Jarry Jerry fashion. So, i was definitely detecting a bit of uh, vibrato there. Yeah. From, is that, do you think that's from the buckled wheel?
1: Yeah, I think
0: it could be a buckled wheel, or maybe... Let's take a look. Ah, oh, no, I, I know what's... That's an elementary dynamo error. It's not, it's not um... Parallel to the spokes, it's not perpendicular to the wall. So, what we need is a spanner.
1: I've got some spanners
0: here. Okay, well, let's uh, see if we can fix this mechanical. Well, Andy has effected the mechanical intervention and is now reconnecting the speaker. That's looking a lot more like a regular dynamo. We'll give it another go. Right, I think I know the way to what might be quite an entertaining tunnel. Oh, good. good. And then a place to have a cup of
1: coffee. Excellent. <laughs> Ideal in both respects.
0: So we're going to head down now off Waterloo Bridge onto Upper Ground, which is the road that runs along the side of the river. Okay, take a left here. And a right at the junction. Yeah, since there's a bit more power coming now through yeah, the dynamo. That's,
1: that's much better now that you've uh, showed me how to connect the dynamo properly.
0: <laughs> it actually gets quite a volume. And I think for passers-by, there may even be a bit of a kind of Doppler effect.
1: Uh, I should imagine there is. Yeah, they must. You must hear it coming and hear it going in some way. I should think.
0: Well, I don't know how much you can hear because you're actually ahead of where the sound comes out. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds pretty impressive. Oh, good.
1: <laughs> That's what we're looking for, I guess. Yeah, I think it could be quite good. I imagine if you got more than two or three, it would sound pretty strange because I, I assume that the sort of, the resonance of the tubes would like pass along the line, so there'd be a bit of that as well. I think it could be quite good.
0: <laughs> OK, well, we will make this happen.
1: We will make this happen.
0: And this is Calling All Singing Bicycles. If you want to be involved in Godfrey Willem raises Symphony for Singing Bicycles, get in touch and we will tell you how and when. Thanks very much, Andy. Brilliant, let's have a coffee.
1: Thank you very much. I'd love one.
0: I was riding there with Andy Cox and we are definitely going to make this Symphony for Singing Bicycles happen in London this summer. And I'm thinking at the moment that the best time for that would be on the 6th of July, which is the first day that the Tour de France will be in London. And I think a rendition of the Symphony for Singing Bicycles will be the perfect counterweight to all the lycra-clad festivities of the Tour de France. So if you want to take part, because the symphony absolutely needs you to take part, the symphony will only work with a dozen or more I think the ideal number is 24 cyclists each equipped with a different length of tubing therefore resonating at a different frequency if you want to get involved drop me an email at bikeshow at gmail.com and I'll probably post some more details on the website which is www.thebikeshow.net and I'll let you know what you have to do to get involved Um, It should be a fun affair, I would think. Now, a few weeks ago, I made a quick survey of the various bicycling podcasts that there are around the world. And I pointed out my favourite, which is Bikescape, produced out of San Francisco by John Winston. And I finally managed to catch up with John by the medium of Skype telephony a couple of days ago, And of course, I was really excited to speak to another bicycling broadcaster and not least because I used to live in the San Francisco Bay Area during the 1990s. So I was very intrigued to find out what, if anything, had changed in terms of the numbers of people cycling and the overall attitude towards riding a bike in San Francisco and the Bay Area. So the very first question I asked John Winston of Bikescape was what exactly had changed over the last 10 years.
2: Oh, it's been dramatic. Uh, 10 years ago, you could ride on the street, you'd have to share the lane with cars and you'd have to endure the abuse of drivers who didn't either didn't understand or were outright menacing. You would hear people yell out their windows at you. They would say, ride on the sidewalk or, uh, or get a car. You'd hear that sometimes the bicycle was considered a, a toy that, that children played with and when you got to the age of 16, 17, you were supposed to get a car. And It was it was not considered a, a part of traffic. Since the years of critical mass and the advocacy by the Bike Coalition and just the, the coolness, the, the newfound coolness of, of bicycling, it's uh, things have changed quite a bit and we have a place on the road now. And not only that, but we've created a, a bicycle culture in in this town, it sort of inadvertently popped up and it's kind of surprised everybody at first. You know, it used to be just this small culture of messengers and and cycle couriers, and uh, one thing led to another, and now it's uh... there's a whole new generation of kids out there and in their twenties, and there's a wide variety of different kinds of, of bike culture. There's the, there's the the messengers, there's the the bike commuters with their with their pant leg tied up with a little reflector and wearing. All sorts of safe reflecting gears and helmets and whatnot, and you also have the the young kids on 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 fixies, on the, on the fixed gear bicycles, or you call them fixed wheels in the UK, which is you know a whole style in itself and and, and a whole culture in itself that I'm actually even though I ride a fixie I'm unaware of it because I'm because of the age difference, but there's a, this rich culture that's that's evolved mm, over the, mm, over time. Because I nice. remember
0: there being a lot of people riding road bikes like at the weekends lot of lycra going up over into the marin headlands and then up in the oakland hills and that seemed to be kind of the major contingent of bicyclists and then i suppose one or two people getting around town certainly on the east bay side because it's a lot flatter there seemed to be a few more cyclists but it it didn't feel like you know the safest of places obviously i was at grad school at berkeley and you know that's going to be the place where you're going to find people riding bikes but over on the other side of the bay, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of people riding bikes. So have the numbers actually gone up?
2: I believe there are approximately 10,000 cyclists in the city. Within the city, the city of San Francisco is very compact and small, almost European in scale. So it, it's unusual. <clears throat> it's not a big megalopolis like other other cities in, in California. And so the, the numbers have definitely gone up within the city. And and I'm sure the Lycra crowd is still out there, and not to... Not to just the like rid people, in, in any way. I mean, anybody who rides a bike is is is, in my book, excellent. Marin County is the mecca of, of, of mountain cycling uh, and and road biking as well. And you you do see people out there dressed for the dressed for sport and out, you know, hammering on the on the pedals. I don't normally find myself associating with those people so much, only because I'm more involved in the in the, in the urban experience here. Mm-hmm. I you know, mm-hmm. I don't leave town very much. But that—that's all happenings, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's definitely a, a big, big part of bike culture. Still, there's a lot of bike companies out here building bicycles. I, I did an interview on Bikescape recently about, with uh, Grant Peterson from uh, uh, Rivendell Bicycle Works, and he has a great following here in the Bay Area. And, and there's also uh, there's there's a lot of different people. Because
0: you've got—I mean, if anybody who, even if you haven't been to San Francisco, you've seen films like Bullet with Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. and you know <laughs> about those hills. Everybody knows about the hills and the trams. So those are two obstacles right away for uh, riding a bike in the city of San Francisco. How do you cope with those hills, particularly if you've only got one gear? As you seem like all these urban hipsters, or do they just hang out down in the uh, the sunshine of the Mission District?
2: Well, yeah, you do see a lot of the fixies. A lot of people just walking their bikes between ca- between cafes. I never really had much of a problem with hills. I, I climb about 200 feet to get to my house. But it's over a long period, and in the mornings, it's it's lucky for me because I I don't sweat in the, on the way to work in the morning, but I I do break a little bit of a sweat on the way home, unless you live on top of a hill. You really there's always a way to get around these hills here, and it's it's there's even a magical route called the Wiggle that will take you from downtown over to the haight Ashbury, and when you look at when you look at the you look at the hills that are between you. Stand on Market Street and you look at Twin Peaks, and and these huge monster hills between you and the Hate. It seems impossible, but when you there's a, a route that you can take that takes you along the, the 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 path of an old creek bed, that's now underground in a sewer somewhere. But you can it's it's almost magical the way it can get you to the hate without climbing any major hills, and you can really get by pretty easily. And as for one single speed gear uh, bikes, I was surprised to learn when I started riding fixed that the efficiency of, of one of those bikes is it, it's actually easier to we're not carrying. Mm-hmm any of that extra baggage, extra gears and, uh, and chain rings and, and uh, brakes and cables and all that stuff. So it's actually a, a surprisingly efficient way to climb a hill, even on a, on a single speed.
0: So what would you say accounts for this increase? Is it because people are tired of public transport or that driving a car has become difficult because of parking? Or is it environmental consciousness? Or is it, as you say, just this cool factor and the kind of fitness
2: factor? Well, the, the 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 cool factor is definitely a part of it among the young people, but I th- I think that it's just becomes too insanely crazy to, to try and drive in the city. You know, California is is, is has always been considered a uh, uh, the center of, of car culture. It's where it, it's where the freeway system started in America, and people sort of t- have always taken it as their God given right that they can drive anywhere to the to the to the mailbox to the to the uh, to the corner store and and definitely to work every day even if they're only going three miles from one end of town to another that attitude has led us to this point where it's just gotten out of control with the cars and I, I know you experienced that in London as well where you, you can't find a parking spot you can drive for hours looking for a parking spot and uh, you can the traffic is, is, is what they call service level F at every uh, at every uh, traffic light and you, it's become untenable and also I know I don't know what you pay per liter in uh, in London for gasoline but or for petrol but uh here it's it's gone up to it's gone yesterday the price of gas went up 10 cents per gallon so it's it's up to $3.19 at the gas station over there. Yeah back well York. I I oh, it's, and it's
0: about I think it's just around about a pound a liter over here so how many liters are there in a gallon? I uh, don't know. I, I don't a drive guy, a don't car. so We were supposed moment. to go metric
2: 20 years ago, but we never did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Have the politicians been responsive to this? I mean, you, you you talked about the changing attitude on the roads, the fact that you actually now have a place in the traffic. What, what has caused that? Has that been a change in the way that the urban planning has worked? Have you got bicycle lanes now where you didn't used to have bicycle lanes? Or is it simply the strength in numbers has just meant that People driving cars and trucks and vans have to notice you because you're not any more a marginalized minority.
2: Well, at the root, it has to come down to the numbers. Uh, but the the numbers have been have been massaged politically, and you know we, the the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition just hit the seven thousand mark, and so the bicycle coalition is probably one of the the most powerful uh, uh, advocacy groups in the city among you know the. The, the handicapped advocacy groups, the, the, the senior action network, all these different groups that, that that look out for the rights of their of their constituency the, the bicycle coalition is probably one of the most powerful. Because of that we've gotten most of many of the bike lanes we want and uh, we still have a long way to go and we've been working to get a bike plan, a five year bike plan, which has been six years in the process. but um, there has been a little bit of backlash uh, right now there was a lawsuit to to stop the bike plan. Oddly enough, because there hasn't been enough environmental review, this uh, a group of two or three people call themselves Citizens for Adequate Review, or CAR, have uh, created this group, and they, and they actually won their lawsuit. So our our entire bike plan is on hold right now because of that. So and, what kind of things
0: and, were you asking for
2: as part of the bike plan? We were working piecemeal to get bike lanes on, on certain streets, the major bicycle streets and Market Street, and and Valencia Street and, and uh, various streets like that. But we wanted to have an integrated bike plan because what what would happen was you'd be riding on a bike lane or on a bike route and then suddenly it would end and you'd be stuck in some kind of, you know, it would be fine for an experienced cyclist, but for the new cyclist that we'd like to encourage to ride, it was a nightmare. And uh, we still haven't been able to implement implement that. And in fact, you can't even put in a new bike rack if, in, in the city because it would be in violation of the injunction right now. So there, there are some... Some uh, hiccups and some bumps on the on the road, and we're also right now uh, uh, exploring uh, some of the uh, congestion pricing ideas that have come out of London, and I'm very excited to see some of that happen. And I'd like to ask you about that. Sometime. Yeah, because that
0: that would be very feasible for San Francisco, being as it is on this peninsula, it's quite easy to control the traffic coming in and out. You've got to come in across you know one of the freeways that comes from the south or essentially on a bridge and it's easy to to monitor who's coming and going and uh to to make those charges and so looking forward to the next five years how do you see bay area cycle culture
2: and cycle provision and cycling in general changing well five years by then gas will be six dollars a gallon and and it'll be impossible to drive and everybody will be bicycling and the streets will be will be emptied of cars there will just be emergency vehicles and buses uh people will be living near their work i hope and they'll be uh their lives will will revolve around a smaller area and if there's any economy left people will still be able to afford to buy even the cheapest of bicycles and this this is my view and i i like to see us looking a lot more like like the cities of northern europe i'd like to see us look like amsterdam or copenhagen at, at that point i think it's possible this is one of the few cities that could do that as I said we're a compact city and we could we could pull it off and we, and I think we could be a model for our country because when we when we talk about european models in 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 the united states people always say "Well, that's different over there they they're different in europe they're, in in amsterdam they they give you a cookie with your coffee and here we don't treat, we don't eat cookies with our coffee that would work over there but it would never work here because people will always drive and so it's it's a challenge, but I think that that the time that the times are coming, and bicycle culture will adapt to that, and eventually, you know, maybe these are the golden years right now, because there's that certain edge to to being a cyclist and being a part of this 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 small culture that's that has a, a strong self identity, and when it becomes when grandma and grandpa start riding their bikes like they do in like in in uh, in uh, Amsterdam, it might be a little more. Uh, more commonplace, and maybe, maybe some of the magic will be gone, and we'll look back on these times when it was an adventure to be riding your bicycle <laughs> down Market Street. <laughs> well, as in many things in
0: the United States, California is often the leader uh, of policy change and innovation and new thinking. Do you think that Californian politicians at the state level up in Sacramento and your governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, are they going to give a push to cycling?
2: Well... Arnold drives uh, drives. I think he has eight SUVs, so <laughs> I'm not counting on him too much. But it's it's different when you get out of the cities, and, and the United States is mainly a suburban country, and most people don't live in cities. In five or ten years, that might be different. People are moving back into the cities, but California, I think, when you when you when you compare suburban culture to urban culture, there's there's, there's a big difference. And I'm not looking towards the state. I look. I look at. I look at things uh, on a local level, mainly among my friends and the people I meet every day, but then within the bicycle coalition and within the city government. And the, I think that's that's the way to, to to try and get some change. And the big bicycle organizations of this uh, in the state are mainly made up of of a different kind of uh, people with a different vision. Mainly, uh, you know, suburban recreational riding. And uh, I'm not looking for, for help there.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, well, finally, let me ask you, it's nine o'clock in the morning in San Francisco on a Saturday. Have you got some sunshine over there? It's sunny day? Yeah.
2: Yes, the, the summer weather just started. So describe
0: for me your perfect day on a bicycle. I don't know whether you're going to have a chance to put it into action today. But if you did, what would be your perfect San Francisco day on a
2: bicycle? <laughs> oh, the perfect day would be to leave the house and head up to the top of Twin Peaks on my bike. It's a strenuous ride, but then when you get to the top, it's 10 minutes to anywhere in town. Twin Peaks is this huge mountain in the middle of the city. And I think I would head down some of the twisty, windy roads down from Twin Peaks down into Golden Gate Park and maybe do a loop around the park uh, on a Sunday on Sundays, the parks are empty of cars. Or that park is almost empty of cars. I'd head down to the beach chalet by the Golden Gate Park reaches all the way down to the beach and I there's a, a lovely chalet at the end of the park overlooking the beach where they have their own brew pub and they make their own beer. and I'd probably have a few beers and uh, then hang then go over to Speedway Meadows in the Golden Gate Park and play a game of bike polo. That's one of the big events coming up. A Brisk game of bike polo on the grass. <laughs> maybe some more beer,
1: <laughs> and then,
2: uh, I don't know if I had any energy after that. And maybe I head across Golden Gate Bridge, or maybe I leave that for Sunday, and uh, head across Golden Gate Bridge, and you know, climb Mount Tam, or right along uh, Mount Tamalpais, or right along the up the over the Golden Gate Bridge and down into Sausalito, and take the ferry back. It's a very civilized ride on the ferry there. You can get a Bloody Mary, and and uh, take the ferry back to San Francisco. there's so many perfect days Uh, that's just one you see any
0: long-time listeners to the bike show will know exactly why there is such an affinity between bikescape and the bike show having heard that rendition of a perfect day on a bicycle because i have to say (laughs) we probably don't get quite so much of the sunshine and we don't have quite that spectacular scenery here in london but a perfect day for me on a bicycle in london would involve a lot of the same things john winston of bikescape thanks very much for talking to me
2: All right, it's been an honor to be on The Bike Show. I appreciate it.
0: Well, we're drawing to the end of the show, and that means that we're drawing to the end of the current season of The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM, This is the 18th show in the current season, which began way back in October of last year. And it's high time that I had a rest because I need to get out on the bicycle and out of the radio studio. So I'm going to be taking a break for a few weeks, uh, maybe a month or two, and coming back in time for the summer. But looking back on the current season, I think it's been the most wide-ranging season of the bike show. We've been in different cities. We've been up to Edinburgh on the sleeper, spent a day riding around Berlin, and also another day in Brussels. We've ridden down the Mississippi Valley with Kieran Yates following his epic tour of last year. So we'll be back when the sunshine is warming the air and the warm breezes are blowing through our hair as we ride, as we ride around the city of London and beyond. So it just remains for me to thank everybody who's helped make the bike show happen, to thank the engineers at Resonance and all the other people who've contributed to making the bike show the world's greatest bicycling radio show. So until the summer, enjoy your riding and chapeau.